The NFL PropCast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, and Arizona. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a $1,000 risk-free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you by PicksWise. PicksWise is the number one app for free sports betting picks, props, and parlays. Download the free PicksWise app now to make your next bet better. We're also brought to you by OddsCrowd. Are you the best football better in the U.S.? OddsCrowd challenges you to prove it with their free with their free-to-play fantasy betting contest. Every week, there is a free $350 NFL contest and a free $250 contest. Just head just head to OddsCrowd.com to sign up. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app. You're home for all of our free picks and podcasts. And welcome, everybody, to episode number eight of the NFL PropCast. It is currently 7.58 on the West Coast. I am your host, Munaf, the sports nerd Manji, and I'm joined, as always, by the prop god, the Brody, Dan Titus on the West Coast. Dan, how you feeling on Friday night tonight, my man? West Coast, man, just chilling. Um Probably got to catch up on some uh, some trash TV because I've been neglecting the wife, man. Just been hammering away at this NFL shit for the last two weeks. And uh can't believe we're at episode eight. It's crazy how quickly this stuff rolls by. But uh, yeah. we got some good things coming, mm-hmm. good things on deck. I know we had to rebound from a poor outing on Thursday Night Football. But, uh, yeah, we're uh, ready to get back at it. Yeah, that, that, let's just get right into the Thursday night game. And I, I know we were talking when we were recording. We thought it was going to be a snooze fest, but that just pretty much turned into a shootout, man. What, what, what were kind of your takeaways from the game? I mean, I, I think for me, I think the first part, I think, is that the Washington defense is is overrated this season. As dominant as they were last season, uh, they're kind of overrated for me this season. I think we've seen that in the first two games, but I kind of want to get your thoughts on at least what we thought about um, uh, the game overall and, you know, Washington's defense. Yeah, I think we've seen now that's two consecutive games where Daniel Jones has had, had a, done a good job rushing the ball. Yeah. And I think he'd made more of more of a concerted effort to find his receivers. More importantly, he finally started getting Kenny Galladay involved. And even though there's that little spat on the sidelines, you know, mm-hmm. I think Sterling Shepard's by far their best weapon right now because Saquon Barkley's still not right yet. But yeah. the way the Giants looked, man, they made their the Washington defense look pretty regular. And this is the second week in a row where, you know, they've they've made mistakes. They were fortunate to recover in this one. You know, Antonio Gibson didn't fumble the ball. Yeah. Uh, Heineke almost blew it with that interception, but they, they came down and marched right down the field. And I think it's more of a testament of the Giants just aren't very good. Yeah. Their offense is fine, but their defense just keeps on letting up you know, a lot of points. So, um, 
Yeah, my my take on the game overall, dude. Like, I, I guess I just missed the fact that it's a divisional matchup. I was still expecting it to be relatively low scoring. Yeah, but I think that there was just opportunities on both sides. Like they just weren't. There weren't a lot of turnovers, and I think that the rushing of Daniel Jones really changed the the landscape of the game and really opened it up for them. And obviously, that would have been the Giants' game if Darius Slayton could catch a ball. And uh, yeah, it just would have been. There's yeah. a lot of what if moments there where the I think the Giants definitely definitely let it up. But you know, they're starting out zero and two. The the skip Shocker. the 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 watch yeah <laughs> the Washington football team's one and one. Who would have thought that the Eagles would be in a place that they are headed into Sunday with an opportunity to go up, you know, maybe potentially, you know, with the injuries that happened to Dallas, which I'm sure that everyone's going to talk about on the pot other podcasts, but yeah, it's a good chance right now for the Eagles to uh, stake their claim of the East. Yeah. I think a hundred percent correct is that this is, I think it's a big game for the Eagles. You're right, man, because Huge game. yeah, giants are now. Oh, and two there, you know, we know the history of teams start that start. Oh, and two, they don't make the playoffs. You know, Washington was fortunate with the offsides call. I mean, there's a lot of controversy going on if it was offside or not. But at the end of the day, Washington got the W there. And then now Eagles have a big game against the 49ers. And then the other team, Dallas, already 0-1, are going to have a very, very tall order with the injuries that they have on their defensive side and losing uh, Michael Gallup, at least for this week. It's a tough order going on to the West Coast in L.A., playing the hottest quarterback, I mean, in Justin Herbert and that offense, you know, when those guys are healthy, it's it's going to be a tall order. But uh, let's just quickly go through our picks that we had last uh, our for Thursday night. Um, you know, we, when we were talking about this game, we really thought that it was going to be really defensive, right? And I think I had two uh, two props that were going to supposed to go over. My my big one that I hit was Sterling Shepard. I think you hit the nail on the head that this guy right now looks like the number one receiver and. Daniel Jones and him have this chemistry that looks really good. I mean, 10 targets, nine receptions, 94 yards for him. I think the one that I was really surprised about was Tyler Heineke really didn't scramble out of the pocket like we're used to seeing. He had a couple of quarterback sneaks, four carries for six yards, but he didn't. He had the opportunities in front of him, but he was really, I think, keeping his eyes down the field and pushing the ball down the field. And he had a pretty good game, 34 or 46 336, two, intercep- two touchdowns and one interception, which was the only turnover of the game. And then my other one was Kyle Rudolph. And I know we, me, you and I were going back and forth uh, during the game. And I, I messaged you. I said, damn, that first pass of the game went to uh, Kyle Rudolph for 12 yards. It looked good for the rest of the game until that final drive. He picked up another 13, 14 yards and absolutely just kind of crushed it. to kind of turned into a profitable day, but um, you know, one and two on those props, you know, it, it's a very, very long season. I think that's something that we have to keep in mind. And, right. um, you know, we'll, we'll get into Sunday here in a second, but, uh, kind of get into your props. Uh, how, how, I guess, how are you feeling about it? Um, <laughs> it's tough, man. I felt, I felt great about Daniel Jones up into the point where in the second half, he just started just chunking. I don't know what the coverage was was for Washington football team. They yeah. were just sagging off everything. And like the middle of the field was wide open. Sterling Shepard constantly found lanes. And then, you know, um, I, I think I had it. I think Daniel Jones was right there, you know, towards the middle of the fourth quarter. And then I think he hit it. Yeah. But the first one I had was, was Antonio Gibson over 15 and a half rushing attempts. And he finished with 13. He easily could have gotten 13 if or up to 15 yeah. if they didn't turn over the ball 
in the red zone on that final drive with like four or five minutes left in the game. Yep. That really changed the landscape of, of pretty much ending that one. Yeah. But ultimately I wasn't overly impressed with Antonio Gibson in game two. Um, I think he played a lot better in week one where they, they fed him the rock. They made a conscious effort to do that. We saw a lot more JD McKissick. And I think that that was matchup based. We saw how important McKissick was uh, in the closing moments of the game, that wheel route that he ran. And that that went for like what forty oh, yards, was like a yeah, game changer, yeah. And but but the thing that I'm wondering now is like Antonio Gibson, and I know Kramer's been off the the Gibson bandwagon since the the best ball days of 24 hours of straight drafting. I don't I don't know if he even got one share of them, yeah. And it, this guy's been compared to C, been CMC light since he came into the NFL last season, and I don't know that they trust him to be that that three down back yet. And as you saw in crunch time, they're, they're relying on JD McKissick because mm-hmm. he's got short hands. He's kind of like that James white. Yeah. Or I don't know that he's ever not going to be relevant. So kind of caps his upside a little bit, but you know, this game script, I thought it was still charting out in a, in a path for Antonio Gibson to get there, but just didn't happen at the end there. So take some, I mean, I took that one on the chin. That one hurt a little bit. That one probably hurt me more than the Daniel Jones, but I also played some, I played three props on um, for action network. And one of them, I was tailing you on the, the Kyle Rudolph and God damn it, man. When I saw, <laughs> I saw Caden Smith catch one and I was like, all right, cool. This is going to be a Caden Smith show for the rest yeah. of the way after he got that 12 yards. Cause he got the 12 yards on the, what the first drive first, first and then, pass from first Daniel pass. Jones was to yeah. Kyle Rudolph. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then he went ghost into the fourth quarter exactly, and that yeah. 13 yard pass. And I was like, are you kidding me? And I know that the line moved from when we talked about it, it was 18 and a half right before the game. It got up to 22 and a half. Yeah. And I know that you, you kind of put on a little bit more just to yeah. uh, sprinkle a little bit more on top, just to make sure to, to hedge it. And then of course he finishes with 25. Like, yeah, what is this? That, that was craziness. That, that was tough, man. It, it, it seemed like it was good all game long in that final drive. I think that's where, you know, when we talk about teams that are kind of coming from behind and, you know, they got to get down the field, they're going to find that wide open guy. I think, Kyle Rudolph was that guy on that on that drive, but it is what it is, man. I mean, you know, we're we're going to uh, we're going to win some by the hair, and we're going to lose some by the hair, and we're going to have some bad luck. But it is what right. it is. Let's take a quick ba- quick break, and then we'll finish handicapping this Washington Giants game, and we'll jump into NFL Week Two for Sunday. Our player props, ready to win money and boost your odds. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards right at your fingertips. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports from NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. We have what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download Bet Win. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. All right, Dan, coming off the break, uh, any other thoughts that you have, any other player props you want to discuss and or any other players that kind of stood out from this Thursday night game? I, I kind of want to get your opinion on what you thought about Scary Terry also, but uh, I'll give you the floor. Yeah. Yeah, Deami Brown, I think he's finally starting to emerge. Really nice rookie out of 
North Carolina was a third round pick for watch for the football team. Yeah. With Curtis Samuel out, I think we're going to see him start and get more targets and Taylor Heineke. I mean, he's, he's able to push the ball down the field. And we saw that one play that he had where he threw it to Ricky seals Jones, which thought was, I thought he was just throwing it out of bounds. That was crazy. Get rid of it. But that wound up being a great pass. So I think that there's going to be some upside in the, in the football team's pass game so that, you know, we can start getting into Terry McLaurin because F1 is a dude. I mean, he was making catches across the middle, sidelines, mm-hmm. yep. over the top. I mean, it's, there's just not – he's got a full route tree and has sure hands. I, I love the guy. So I, I think he's going to be a really, really high upside wide receiver going forward. And I'm going to be making some prop bets on him now because I think now, you know, everyone was kind of excited about Ryan Fitzpatrick, but mm-hmm. – was that really real? You know, like I know for SGPN, I had to make some projections for, for fantasy football. And I didn't really have Fitzpatrick's numbers too high. Cause I didn't bank on him playing 17 games. Yeah. And sure enough, he's not. So I think that the, the football team was actually probably preparing Taylor Heineke a little bit, even though he wasn't getting a lot of first team reps. I think that in the back of their head, they knew yeah. that Kyle Allen wasn't the guy and that if he, someone needed to step in, it would be Heineke. And he's got a good rapport with Demani Brown uh, um, from the preseason. And then, you know, if you got a target hog like Terry McLaurin, I think that they're going to be in great shape in terms of pushing the ball down the field, which is something that they struggled with in the past with Alex Smith and Dwayne Haskins and a, yeah. a slew of other other players that wouldn't couldn't really do that. Yeah, at least for this game with scary Terry. I mean, fourteen targets. The next guy that had the most targets was Adam Humphreys at eight. So, I think it's something we're gonna me, you, and I. <clears throat> sorry, I uh, have to keep an eye on is the chemistry that Heineke has with um, Scary Terry. Kind of the same same thing as Daniel Jones has with uh, Sterling Shepard. I think that's something that we'll have to keep an eye on because, you know, those two guys had a great game, almost 100 yards receiving, uh, almost for both guys, and then close to uh, uh, 10 receptions for Sterling Shepard. But, um, I, you know, we're by week by week, we're learning because, you know, right now it, it, it's tough for the bookmakers to kind of set some of these lines or props, and I think this is where kind of, we kind of need to take advantage of. Um, anything else you want to discuss for this game, Dan, any final player props or any studs or duds that kind of stood out from this game that maybe we should keep an eye on? Um, try to think of who my other, who my other bust was. No, I think that that pretty much covered it, man. Um, I'm not going to be heavily invested in anybody on Washington football team going forward, except for Terry. Yeah. And for the giants, I think Saquon is a pretty safe fade for now, like his workload, at least like his rushing attempts. I think that that's a really nice prop yeah. to target. He's steadily ramping up, but he's still not all the way there. Um, also, his receiving yards. Um, you know, Daniel Jones doesn't really seem too keen on uh, hitting his his uh, running backs for yards here. So uh, that's, those are some of, the, some of the things that I've been watching, uh, at least in the first two weeks. Yeah, that's a great point about Saquon because, I mean, he had that one long run of 41 yards, but if we kind of take that away, he was, what, 12 of 16 rest of the way. So, I mean, if he's still getting his legs back, and I think it's maybe in a testament to how bad this offensive line still is because early on, Washington was still able to get some uh, pressure on Daniel Jones. I think they had like three sacks in the first half, and I, I was on the over two and a half sacks for Washington Thought the number was a little low, but they got they got that done in the first half. Jonathan Allen, another great game for him. Two sacks. He had one last week, so that was pretty big. And I think going to your point about um, Daniel Jones not having to throw to Saquon, he doesn't have to because there's there's great targets on this team. 
you know, we talked about Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Kenny Galladay, uh, Caden Smith. They they have a you know two two headed tight end there. So really really great uh, running back and weapons for the New York Giants. It's just about them being better on the defensive uh, defensive side if they're going to you know win some games this season. But um, yeah, I think this was a great game for us to kind of look at and and you know take away some things and and you know look add it to our handicap going forward. But uh, last thought for me, I'll kind of want to get your thoughts is uh, I know the NFL Slack channel on SGPN they were really heavy on uh, Logan Thomas. What's kind of your outlook for Logan Thomas going forward uh, for the uh, for the Washington Football Team? Uh, I think he's going to be serviceable. You know, I think in, in fantasy terms, I think he's going to metal. He's going to probably chart out to be in that a little bit below that Dallas Goddard territory, you know, so yeah. we're, we're talking about a top 12, 13 tight end in the league. And I think he'll have his bright spots. I'm sure with his size, he'll command some red zone targets uh, if they actually get down there and have to, you know, convert uh, it through the air. But yeah. I think we've seen like, this is giving me vibes of like, uh, you know, Keenan Allen, with Philip rivers of just, he has no one to throw to, but maybe a running back and everybody else is the wide receiver targets are going straight to one man. And so I'm expecting, you know, Terry McLaurin to soak up a majority of the targets and, you know, Logan Thomas might be sprinkled in there every once in a while, but I'm not expecting him to be anywhere near the the upper echelon of, of tight ends, like a TJ Hawkinson, a Travis Kelsey or a, uh, you know, a George Kittle. I think there's like significant drop off from when we talk about Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Darren Waller. And I think, I think maybe TJ Hawkinson is up and coming, but I don't think he's in that tier one category yet. And there's just a huge significant drop off to like tier two, maybe even tier three guys. And I think that's where Logan Thomas kind of feels like he's, he's in right now. I mean, he, he, the potential is there for him for sure, but um, you know, we'll see what happens as the season progresses with Tyler Haneke now, now as a quarterback, for the Washington football team. That'll wrap up our recap of the Thursday night game. Uh, a lot of things I think we learned about it, Dan, and, and we'll move on to NFL Sunday week two. Let's take one quick break, and then Dan and I will jump into the Sunday games and our player props for those games. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Go check out the new PropSwap.com, which is packed with fresh features like filtering tickets based on value to find the best odds available. Browse the activity fee to stay in the know. A loyalty rewards program that turns sales into extra cash and much more. Use your promo code SGP on your first deposit and PropSwap will match it up to $500. If you love sports betting, you need to be using PropSwap. With PropSwap, your bet doesn't need to win in order to make money. It just needs to improve. When making your bets, always make sure to go for two. Make two tickets on the same team or player so you can sell one for a profit and keep yourself some skin in the game. Thousands of buyers across America and the country are shopping for tickets on PropSwap every day. Get started today by going to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app. PropSwap is where America buys and sells sports bets. We're also brought to you by Keeps. Keeps offers a simple, stress-free way to keep your hair. Convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered straight to your door every three months. You don't have to leave your home. Low-cost treatments start at $10 per month and Keeps offers generic versions, discreet packaging, and proven results. 
Keebs has five star reviews more than any of its competitors. Prevention is the key. Treatments can take up to four to six months to see results, so act fast. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash SGP to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash SGP to get your first month free. Keeps.com slash SGP. We're also brought to you by PixWise. PixWise is the number one app for sports betting picks held by a team of trend watching, data devouring, sports fanatics giving you the who, how, and why behind every prediction. For every game, every day, and every sport loaded with best bets, props, and parlays, you can find in-depth analysis on every game all for free. Found your pick? Search the latest sportsbook promotions to sign up for an account. Compare the odds and finally place your bet. Download the free PixWise app now and to make your next bet better. PixWise backs responsible gambling. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, coming off of the break, uh, we'll keep it the same format like we have. And, you know, I think it's very clean, very simple. We'll start with any quarterback props we have, and then we'll go to the skill position and then we'll kind of get uh, some final thoughts and a best, best bet that we have. We'll try to rebound. I know we got off to a bad start in week one, but hopefully we can rebound for you guys this week. So let's just start with a quarterback position, uh, player props here. Uh, Dan, I'll kick it to you, man. What's your first quarterback prop if you have one for week two on Sunday? Yeah, I'm going to go with Brian Tannehill over 14 and a half rushing yards at minus 115. Okay. Now the Titans are coming in as six and a half point dogs. Game total is 53 and a half. So definitely a lot of high scoring potential here. Uh, Tannehill looked awful against the Cardinals, but still managed to rush for 17 yards. He went over 14 and a half in four of his last five games, dating back to last season with an average of 27. Yeah. And somehow broke ass, pathetic, ugly Carson Wentz managed to scramble for 23 yards against Seattle <laughs> in the opener. So, you know, in two career games against Seattle, Tannehill went for 33 yards and 17. So mm-hmm. I'm expecting this game to really be a bounce back opportunity for the Titans who looked abysmal against the Cardinals. And in order to do that, I think Tannehill is going to have to use his legs. The Seattle pass rush, while not o- overly um, aggressive, they'll still be in his face a little bit. And I think he'll have to use his legs now. Derrick Henry is also still, is still probably going to have a, a, a pretty good game. I'm expecting mm-hmm. them to feed the run a little bit more than they did in the opener. But yeah. I, I like this spot for Tannehill to go over his rushing attempts, the rushing yards, excuse me. I, I think you hit it when you said the broke ass, sorry ass Carson Wentz <laughs> got 23 against the Seattle defense. And <laughs> Ryan Tannehill should have no problem getting over his, his uh, stat projection as far as his rushing yards. Listen. I think that, you know, this defense for Seattle, I'm not sold on it yet. I mean, they looked, I guess it looked okay against the Colts. I mean, but you had, like we mentioned, Carson Wentz back there. Now you're facing a completely different offense, a completely better offense. Uh, I know that the Titans offense is a lot better than what we saw from week one. Um, you know, we've been touting A.J. Brown all offseason as, a, you know, we're heavy on some of his player props. Uh, Julio Jones, I know you were on him last week. Um, you know, it's time for him to step up. I know he had some personal foul that was called against him. And I think Mike Vrabel was not happy about it, called him out. So I think, you know, 
also the total is kind of indicative of how what the books are thinking that this this game is going to be a shootout for sure because the Titan defense we talked about last week when we're recapping they didn't really do anything to really really make it any better. Uh, Bud Dupree is questionable. I know that was their big offseason uh, acquisition to kind of bolster their defense. But uh, as far as Tannehill, yeah, I think the opportunities will be there for him. First, when you're, when you're trying to hand it off to Derrick Henry, the play-action pass will be there, and that maybe open up some lanes for him. And you could get that in two carries. You know, you sound like he needs four or five carries together. So I think uh, he's going to be able to get that for sure. Uh, my first um, quarterback player prop is going to be Dak Prescott. Over 39 and a half pass attempts. And I think this is going to be another game uh, in the Sunday afternoon slate. That's going to be a shootout between the Chargers and the Cowgirls. Uh, I know last week the Cowboys had a tough time running the ball because they were going up against the number one rush defense in the Buccaneers. But I'm not sure that Zeke is that same player. He was a couple of seasons ago anymore, man. He, he really struggled. I know it's against the number one defense, but last week Dak Prescott threw for 58 or he had 58 pass attempts. And if we kind of go back to last season prior to the injury in the first four games, he threw for more than 39 attempts in every single game except for that first game where he had exactly 39. I think there's just too many weapons for this Cowboys team for them not to utilize their passing game. I think Kellen Moore did a great job last week of of calling the game and utilizing the weapons that the Cowboys have with Amari Cooper, with uh, CeeDee Lamb. They're two, I think they have two, average uh to above average tight ends with uh Dalton Schultz and uh Blake Jarwin. Uh Michael Gallup, I think he is out for this game, but they have other guys that are more than capable in their wide receiving group that have great depth there for them to kind of use this ball or sorry, throw the ball. And Zeke and uh Tony Pollard are pretty good uh pass catching back. So if this game turns into a shootout, which I think it will, again another a defense that didn't really do anything to uh, really improve their uh, defense. Uh, They lost Demarcus Lawrence for the season to a broken foot. So this is going to be a game that's going to be a shootout. And I think Dak Prescott's going to have to fire this ball. So I'm taking over 39 and a half uh, pass attempts for Dak Prescott against the Chargers on Sunday. The Dak Prescott's going to be very busy on Sunday. We just learned earlier today, or was it yesterday, that Demarcus Lawrence is going to be out with yeah. a, an ankle injury. And Randy Gregory is looking like he's not going to play. Yep. So the injuries just keep mounting for, for, the Dallas, for Dallas. And M- Michael Gallup's going to be out for weeks. So yeah. they're going to need Cedric Wilson to step up. I, I do agree. I think Tony Pollard is probably their pass catching back now after what we saw in, um, at least in the first game of the season. And so, but they still have pretty dynamic players there. Amari Cooper had a, the game of his life again in week one. Yeah. And uh, CD Lamb is certainly an ascending talent right now. So I think that, that Dak's going to be very plenty busy having to throw the ball. Let's just see if the O line holds up because uh, the Chargers, they're looking like they're in a really good position right now. And what we were talking about before with, you know, Dallas can't afford to go down 0 2 here. Yeah. So this is a very important game for them. So it makes sense that they would lean on their quarterback to, uh, lead them the way just be honest you, you would love to see them go down oh two of the eagles oh, let's, up no, come of on course now. i would of course i would of course i would <laughs> yeah and i think they also had a another offensive lineman go down this week and that yeah. lionel collins is also out so they do get zach martin back but again that's the, the blind keep, side layout collins so yeah so tough. i mean these injuries are going to keep mounting up and i think that he's going to have to throw his football all over the field against the Chargers. Uh, do you have any other uh, quarterback props or do you want to move on to the skill positions? 
Yeah, I got one more. I'm yeah, going to throw out uh, Br- uh, Baker Mayfield under 32 and a half pass attempts. Okay. And for me, this is strictly game script related. You know, the, the Browns are coming in as 13 point favorites over Houston. Sorry, Munaf. Um, <laughs> hey, we got our one one victory. You, did. Of you the got your one last dub. week, so I'm good. <laughs> That's all I care about. <laughs> My future of them still having the worst record is still alive. I'm just we'll see. But I think the Jags might overtake them, and the Jags look awful. So, yeah. um, but you know, the Browns are coming off a tough loss to the the Kansas City Chiefs. Probably had their chances to win the game, but really, I'm, I'm what I'm leaning towards here is that I think Nick Chubb is going to have a hell of a game as well as Kareem Hunt. And there won't be much room for Baker Mayfield to really having to throw the ball downfield. I think they're going to get out to a sizable lead. Um, and in games decided between eight and 14 points last season, Baker mm-hmm. Mayfield averaged only 29 attempts in five games. And over the course of his career in games that were decided between eight and 14 points, um, he finished with 30, 30 attempts. So he's right at that cusp, but I don't think he's going to need to have to push the ball down the field to control the game on their home field um, in a game that the Houston Texans, while they put up a good fight against the Jaguars, Cleveland Browns have one of the best offensive lines and defenses in the NFL. And I think it's going to be a rough day for them, uh, which would mean that Baker Mayfield doesn't have to do much to be effective. So, you know, he only threw for, you know, 20 under 30 passes against Mm -hmm. the Chiefs. Yeah. And I expect that to continue if they're going to remain competitive and win. So they're usually better off when Baker has to do less. And I think he's going to have to do less to win a game against one of the worst teams in the NFL. So this is how we know that we don't just share notes um, uh, when we're prepping for our shows. And so it's kind of correlated to what I have as my first skill position. And that's Nick Chubb over 86 and a half rushing yards. And for all the reasons that you just mentioned that (laughs) Baker's not going to have to do much. Right. And we've kind of go back to last week. I know that the, Texans looked good, but I got to keep in mind, let's settle down, Houston. They play the probably the worst team in the entire football league with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I, I took this prop also last week, and it cashed fairly easy against the Chiefs running defense. And yeah. despite the Texans looking great, like I said, if you go inside the box score, the rush defense for the Texans last week was not good. I know the the Jags were um, trailing early in that game by double double digits, so they had to throw the ball, and we kind of saw that with uh, the stats that uh, Trevor Lawrence put up. But the Texans' rush defense was given up 5.2 yards per carry to the Jags. Both Hyde and Robinson combined for 14 carries, 69 yards, which was close to about five yards per carry. And when you have this two-headed monster in your backfield, and I think Nick Chubb will be more featured because he is a better, I think, the running back at least getting through the 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 holes that the offensive line would create. Nick Chubb last week, 15 carries, 83 yards, averaging 5.5 yards per carry. And it's only one game sample, but last season against the Texans, Chubb had 19 carries for 126 yards, which was 6.63 yards per carry. Now this offensive, or sorry, this defensive uh, rush defense for the Texans, they lost J.J. Watt, they lost Bernardrick McKinney, so it's gotten even worse. So I think Chubb is going to have a field day. I won't be surprised if he gets over 100 yards running on the ground again. Um, and that kind of correlates to what you just said, that Baker Mayfield not going to have to do much because you have this two-headed monster with Chubb and Kareem Hunt in your backfield. So I took over 86 and a half rushing yards for uh, Nick Chubb on Sunday against the Texans. Sorry about that delay. No, you're good. Um, yeah, no, I, I am in complete agreement, man. Chubb is one of the best pure runners in the game. Five yards per carry. 
that's standard for that man. And going up against a, a Houston Texans rush defense that, you know, we saw they, they held James Robinson in check, but we're talking about two different people here. One's got extremely high draft capital yeah. and pedigree versus the other one's an undrafted with a really shitty uh, coach right now that's trying to figure out what the difference between running a college football team and a, and a real NFL team is. So, yeah, I think it worked to the it worked to the Houston's advantage in the first game, but I think there's going to be a rude awakening of coming here. Yeah, and it's first uh, rookie head coach's first road game um, of the season, or for the for his rookie or for his coaching campaign on the road in Cleveland, going up against this rushing attack. That was my, my first skill position. Uh, did you have any more quarterback, or, or did you want to get into your skill position? Yeah, we can go to my skill position. Yeah, go ahead, man. So my first one, I got uh, Bills RB. Devin Singletary over eight and a half rushing attempts, minus 125. So the Bills are going up against the Dolphins. Yeah. Bills are currently three and a half point favorites, 47 and a half game total. Um, I like Singletary here because he really commanded the backfield in, in the week one. And granted, Zach Moss was a surprise inactive. He's going to be active this week. But let's be honest, after a stellar preseason, it was clear that Singletary was the best back in Buffalo. And in the Dolphins' home opener, they um, they allowed their sorry not home opener, but when their first game against the the Patriots, mm-hmm. they gave up thirty rushing attempts to New England, and twenty three of those were uh, given by RB um, Damian Harris. So yeah, plenty of rushing opportunities against the Dolphins' defense, and I think it's really promising that in Week One, Singletary managed eleven of the fifteen carries, so that's good for seventy three percent of the workload mm-hmm. with Matt Breida back there. I'm not expecting a three-headed monster for the Bills. This should be Devin Singletary's backfield. Yep. And he rushed for a, a promising 72 yards on only 11 carries against the Steelers' stout rush defense. So I think this is a really good opportunity opportunity here for Singletary and only eight, eight and a half rushing attempts. You know, that that's a very small margin for somebody that's a team that's looking for a win that will have to establish the run in order to do so because the Dolphins force a lot of turnovers. We know how good their pass rush is. Yeah. Being that they got to Mac Jones six times last week. So I think that they're going to have to, you know, lean on that run game a little bit more than they typically might in the past. Yeah, I think I agree with everything you said. With Even with Zach Moss coming back, I mean, Devin Singletary looked really good last week. And if something that's working for you that well, you shouldn't get away from it, right? Don't don't try to fix something that's not broken. I think Devin Singletary, I think for the, for the Bills, they kind of need to establish some type of run game uh, to kind of protect Josh Allen and sustain some drives for the Buffalo Bills. And I know the Buffalo Bills, they like throwing the ball. Like we, we saw it in the playoff last year. I think they came out and threw for like 17 or 18 straight passes. Um, but for your RB1 to only have to eight and a half, I mean, that, that's kind of conservative to me, right? And I, I, that's, so I low, think that's, so low. Yeah, very low. So I think, and again, the, we kind of talked about going back to Antonio Gibson, how the Washington football team had the lead. And they just had to feed him the rock and kind of melt that clock. You can probably get easily two, three extra carries right there just from that. So, um, you know, this is a big game for the Bills. It's a division game. They're down. They're already down uh, uh, one loss going in up against the Miami Dolphins, who are already one and zero. Eleven rush attempts last week, like you mentioned for Singletary. So I think that should be no problem for him to get into double digits. And it only needs nine. So I like that yeah. one. And, um, and one other note. Yeah, one other note to that was, you know, we talked about it last week of how erratic Josh Allen was. Yeah. So you know, establishing the run is a good way to get your rhythm Settle against down. the flow of the game. Yeah. Right. So 
I'm expecting to see a little bit of that as well. Yeah, I love it, man. Uh, my next one, I'm going to go to Kish, Christian McCaffrey, CMC, against the Saints. And I'm going to take the over 116 and a half receiving and rushing yards. So combined uh, receiving and rushing yards for CMC. Look, CMC looked really good last week. I know it was against the Jets, but I mean, health-wise, for him coming back from the injury, uh, I caught the highlights. I kind of did some game rewind, and I mean, he looked good. And I think I think anyone will look good against this Jet defense early on, but last uh, week against the Jets, CMC had 21 rushing attempts for 98 yards, averaging about 4.7 per carry. And he also had nine receptions on nine targets with 89 uh, receiving yards. So he absolutely crushed that number. And now they're playing a significantly better defense in the Saints, but there's a lot of injuries for the Saints defense, right? They're going to be missing uh, Marshawn Lattimore. I just saw Kawhi, uh, uh, sorry, Kawan Alexander is going to be out, and then possibly Marcus Davenport is going to be out also for that defense. Um, they're missing a lot of offensive coaches also. So, you know, maybe those defensive coaches are going to be helping the offense, whatever the case might be. But over his career versus the Saints in six games, he's accumulated 364 receiving yards and 193 rushing yards for a total of 557 uh, total yards in six games. I know it does fall below that average of 116 and a half, but I think this is a game where I think Darnold and CMC have kind of developed that chemistry in the, in the, in practices in game one. Uh, I think that's going to show up against the saints this week. And I also do like the Panthers plus the points this week. So uh, CMC's receptions are at, I did get this at five and a half. It was heavy tax but it did move to six and a half. And I still do like that over it's at plus money. Um, but in his career against the saints, he's had a total of 39 receptions and gone over five and a half in four out of those six games. So it just takes one of these catches or runs for CMC to find that hole and, and use his speed to get to the end zone. And I think it's, it's possible for him to do that, but I, I really like this number of CMC going over 116 and a half receiving and rushing yards combined against the Saints on uh, Sunday. Yeah, I think working to his advantage is exactly what you talked about in all of the injuries and COVID situations that the, the coaches are going through right now. We saw the Saints upset, you know, the, the Green Bay Packers and really just show a great defensive outing. Yeah. Um, the Packers just look very disrupted. And I don't know if that's going to, be the case in a divisional matchup. Uh, these teams always seem to play each other a bit harder. Um, there's familiarity there. And, mm -hmm. you know, as we can see with like the, the giants and the Washington football team, like we're expecting that to be a, a terrible game. And yeah. next thing you know, they're, you know, they're getting after it. So I think that there's a lot of room for opportunity for Christian McCaffrey to still dominate his all purpose yards, because let's be honest, you know, last game he had nine targets for, he had nine targets and he caught all of them. So yep. obviously Sam Darnold's rapport with him is caught on pretty quickly. Yeah. And we haven't really seen Terrence Marshall emerge quite yet. So mm -hmm. I would argue that CMC is, is their slot receiver. He is their third. He's probably their second or third receiver at this point. And you can, uh, because Rob, Robbie yeah. Anderson is really just the home run hitter, right? Yep. So it's him and DJ really between the, between the hash marks. And that's just not even just, that's not even talking about his rushing attempts. So the rushing might be a little bit harder to come by, yeah. But you know, with those those injuries on their on the 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 New Orleans Saints team, mm -hmm. it could be a little bit easier for them. And I do like the the, the Carolina Panthers as well. Uh, a lot of sharp money coming in for the Panthers, so I think that that bodes well for you know a potential CMC. This is going to be a CMC uh, monster game. 
Yeah, and I think CMC is one of those few running backs in the league that, like Alvin Kamara, where you can, you know, line him up again with the wide receivers, and he's the type of guy that can go out and make those catches. So, uh, hopefully, he has a big game for the Panthers and carries them to a victory against the Saints on Sunday. Uh, uh, what you got for your next one, Dan? My next one, I'm going with. Um... Which one do I want to go with here? I'm going to go with Robert Woods under 62 and a half receiving yards at minus 115. I'm I'm getting a little bit concerned about Robert Woods here. You know, dating back to last season, um, he hasn't gone over 62 and a half receiving yards in his last seven games with an average of 42 yards per game over that span. He also hasn't gone over 62 and a half in his last four as a favorite. The Rams are currently three and a half point favorites. The game totals 48. So it should be a pretty entertaining contest, but you know, Woods only played 77% of the snaps in week one down from 89% last year. And one thing I think that we're going to need to keep an eye on is what is the emergence of Van Jefferson? So yeah. Van Jefferson finished with three catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. Meanwhile, Robert Woods finished with three receptions for a mere 27 yards. So not that I'm saying that Robert Woods is going to be, uh, supplanted by Van Jefferson, but I don't know. They did spend a third round pick on, on Van Jefferson and he's been there for a little while. They got Josh Reynolds out of there and a couple other targets like Gerald Everett. And mm. I think that Matt Stafford might've found his deep man and it's yeah. looking like it could be Van Jefferson. He also has Deshaun Jackson there. He didn't really, he wasn't very active, but you know, Robert Woods could be odd man out here. Not saying that he's not going to have a decent game, but just looking at the recent history or performance, it doesn't look very bright for him. So um, I'm taking the under on 62 and a half receiving yards for Robert Woods. A lot, uh, this is another offense where there's a lot of mouths to feed, right? Uh, all the names that you just mentioned. I think we can say that Cooper Cup is probably that that wide receiver one for this team. And then Definitely. you have, like you said, Van Jefferson, who had a great game last week uh, for the Rams. And then you also have uh, tight end, what, Tyler Higbee's their tight end there. Um, he was, so, was emerging. He's yeah, becoming right. a, a, exactly. very, a very good player. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of goes into what you're taking with under on Robert Woods that I just feel like there's just too much, too many miles of feet. And I think you're going up against a Colts defense this week that is supposed to be pretty good. I mean, you have DeForest Buckner, you have Darius Leonard, a secondary has some questions, but they do have some guys there. But um, I, I think the Colts are going to be surprisingly competitive this week i'm not sure they're going to win the game but i think they'll give they'll give uh the uh, rams a run for their money but yeah and with all the historical data that you just kind of pulled up for robert woods um and the books not really having to uh, having adjusted I, I think that's a great player prop for this week so uh, i think that's going to be more of an ugly game than we think it does compared to last week where the rams were getting whatever they wanted especially uh deep down the field against that bear secondary um, so that kind of transition to my uh, third uh, skill position. That's Jonathan Taylor over 60 and a half rushing yards. And I think kind of like we talked about with Washington, that this Rams defense, at least for week one, at least again, their rushing defense wasn't that stout. I mean, David Montgomery was having his way against the Rams rush defense last week. Rams allowed 5.44 yards per carry to the Bears rushing attack. And more so is Montgomery, right, who had 16 carries for 108 yards, which is about 6.8 yards per carry, um, an average per carry. So I feel like this number is a little conservative for uh, Jonathan Taylor last week. He got 17 carries for 56 yards, but I think that he'll have a better performance. And he's getting the carries. It's about him just kind of, you know, using his young legs to uh, 
find the holes with this offensive line. I, I think that this offensive line is significantly better than it is of the Bears. Nice coming into the season, the Colts' offensive line was ranked number eighth. Um, I think they'll have to establish its run against the Rams' defense to kind of keep Matthew Stafford and the weapons that they have off the field. So I think Jonathan Taylor should have getting a lot should get a lot of the workload as at least running the the ball for the Colts this week. So I think you know Jonathan Taylor will probably fly over this number of sixteen and a half. It feels a little conservative to me. Take your spot on, sir. And main reason why is because the the Rams run a cover two, and we saw that what they wanted to do was take away the downfield passing, and they were going to live with David Montgomery running up the middle. And that's what they surrendered. They surrendered the rush game, but if you look at Andy Dalton's stats, nothing. Yeah, they couldn't really they couldn't score the ball. Um, and I think that that's the approach that they're probably going to take with the the Colts. Mm-hmm. Let's let let the running back kind of get some yards, keep everything in front of you, but we don't get beat deep. And it's a good recipe for success. I mean, that's what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do typically um, with, with Todd Bowles. It's not very few and far between the, do the do the coaches play cover two, but the ones that do mm-hmm. you usually see a little uptick in the running back uh, production there. So I think that that's a great, great outlook for, for Jonathan Taylor here and a guy that, you know, frankly, he's he's going to be their best player on that on that team and their offense. So yeah. them establishing the run run is in their best interest. Yeah, and, and I'm not even really concerned about them. You know, they do have Naeem Hines back there also, but I'm not really concerned about it. I think Jonathan Taylor is Carson Wentz can't make a short to intermediate throw. So it's yeah, fun. and so I think they're going to really have to <laughs> establish that run with that behind this offensive line. So uh, hopefully, Jonathan Taylor has a big game for the Colts against this Rams. Uh, I think. For at least for week one, questionable run defense and, and the schemes that they're kind of running right now on the defensive side. Uh, what else you got for your uh, skill position players here? So this one, when I was running all the numbers for it, I didn't want to. I didn't want to like it, but I'm like, I, I can't turn away. And it's Melvin Gordon over 50 and a half rushing yards at okay. minus 114. Now the Broncos are going up against the Jags. The Jags are awful. So this is, to me, another one of those script game plays. You know, despite splitting carries with Javante Williams in week one, he rushed for 11 times for 101 yards. Granted, a lot of that gain was on that 70-yard TD run. Yeah. However, the Jags D surrendered 160 yards to the Texans. So we're talking Ooh. Mark Ink. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you said that to who, because they had also placed the Mike Jones as well. So I, I like that. Um but yeah, man, the Houston Texans, we're talking Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, and the off-injured David Johnson. Yeah. That's like a that's like the senior citizen center for running backs, right? Yeah. So if if we're talking about, you know, this this elder statesman, I think Melvin Gordon actually fits really well into this narrative here. And the Denver Broncos have a very good defense. They're my dark horse to uh, make the playoffs at, out of that AFC West division. And I think they're going to do it off the strength of Melvin Gordon for now. Yep. Yeah. Javante, Javante Williams is right on his heels. He did out outpace him in terms of attempts, but mm. ultimately it was Gordon that, that wound up getting the yards and he's, he's went over 50 and a half in six straight dating back to last season with an average of 88.8 yards per game. He's also done it in four straight on the road. I think that this is going to be a good point for, the Denver Broncos to really just control the game and keep, keep the Jaguars off the field. Their defense will handle business 
and you're going to get some garbage time that might go to Javante, but I think there'll be enough carries that Melvin Gordon, you might see him break out a little bit and fun stat Marvin, Melvin Gordon's old ass. He's not that old. He's under, he's still under 30, but he was the fastest. <laughs> he was the fastest player recorded last week uh, with a, with a, with a 21.4 miles per hour. So even though he may, everyone thinks that he sucks and that he's washed and that he's about to get uh, yeah. upseated for his, his role, the Duke can still play, and he's playing against one of the worst teams in the NFL. So I like this upside here, even though I, I don't like him as a football player or a fantasy player. The numbers don't lie. I, I, I got to back this one. For Melvin Gordon, of all the stuff that's been said, like you just said, that he might get cut, he's playing with that chip on his shoulder, I think, this year, right? And I think that if you're Vic Fangio, your your game plan this week should be run it down their throats. And, and like you just mentioned, the amount of yards that they gave up to the Houston freaking Texans, the Golden Club, sixty, yeah, one sixty. And, and you have you have Javante uh, Williams, you have Melvin Gordon. Run the ball down their throat, and then you 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 base your playoff uh, your play action pass off of Teddy Bridgewater if you want to run the or throw the ball. But I think yeah. I won't be surprised if I see both of these guys get 60 yards each, 70 yards each. And this, this mm-hmm. Jaguars defense is absolutely atrocious. I mean, the Texans made them look like they were peewee and high school level. I mean, the Texans, come on, as much as we shit it on how bad the Texans are going to be this year, um, there's a lot of, I think, turmoil going on in Jacksonville right now between Urban Meyer, the players, and the coaches. Uh, apparently there's what I've read from other podcasts is that he has a chief of staff that if you want to talk to him, you have to go through that chief of staff before having to talk to urban Meyer, which I think is crazy. I don't think he's going to finish the season with the Jacksonville Jaguars, but kind of getting back to the player prop. I, yeah. Melvin Gordon. I mean, it, it, 15 and a half. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's not a big number. I mean, like I said, if they could just come in and throw the ball, I'm mean, sorry, rush the ball. I think he should be able to get that number. And who knows? He might be able to break one out like he did last week against the Giants. So um, I do like that one also. Uh, my last one is going to be, I'm going to take Debo Samuel over five and a half receptions uh, against the Eagles. And I kind of want to get your input on this about the secondary of the Eagles. Uh, I know they have great offensive defensive line, but you know, Samuel, I think, showed last week against the, I know it was against the Lions, but he had 12 targets and he, 12 targets. He caught nine of them uh, in that game. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo's favorite target, I think, is Debo Samuel. Well, I said what Samuel had 12 targets last week. The next most targeted player on the offensive side was George Kittle with only five. And I think when Debo Samuel is healthy and, like I said, playing uh, in this offense, led by Kyle Shanahan, he's going to find ways to get him involved, whether it's catching balls out of the backfield, whether it's wide receiver screens, whether it's on slants, seam routes, whatever the case might be. I think the targets are going to be there for Debo Samuel this week. So I'm taking the over five and a half receptions. I kind of want to get your thoughts on how he'll be able to perform against the secondary of the Eagles. Oh, you're on mute, Dan. There you go. There you go. Um, that's a good question because – the thing that I think was the most advantageous for Debo Samuel was that Brandon Ayuk was was not a factor, and yeah, you know I think he's going to. I'm reading reports saying that uh, he's 100 percent healthy. He's not on the injury report. Maybe he had a good week of practice, so I think we might see him a little bit more of him. 
think that's probably the biggest impediment to his, his upside here. But you know, the, the Eagles secondary actually looked pretty good. You know, early on the game, I I was quite concerned, but they seemed to kind of lock in as, as as the game progressed. So there's no reason, like I think Debo Samuel is probably the best playmaker on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. So, you know, five and a half receptions is certainly capable. I worry about Jimmy Garoppolo actually getting him the ball. Okay. And I think that there's, there's hopefully, I, I mean, I'm, this is Homer Dan talking now. I think that <laughs> if the Eagles are going to really get into their face, they're going to have to get that pass rush going early and often and, and make Jimmy Garoppolo very uncomfortable. And in which case, I think that, that that would be a good spot for him. But otherwise, if they're able to get that play action going and hit George Kittle in the seams, mm-hmm. that's only going to open up the floor for Debo to just go to work on the underneath routes and the slants and the screen passes. That's the good thing about Debo is that he doesn't he doesn't need to get long field passes. Yeah. They get scheme, he gets schemed all these short, you know, intermediate uh little um little hitch routes or a little um little screen passes or slants which is like perfect for, you know, getting some yak, which is yeah. what Debo's a specialist at. So I think he's in a good spot. I don't, I don't know that uh, Darius Slay necessarily matches up great against him. He's more of a boundary corner, mm-hmm. not a guy that moves all around the field and checks the slot man. So if they're going to keep Debo moving throughout the offense, I think that that's a, that's a pretty nice, that's a pretty nice line for him. Love it. I like getting that perspective of the, of the Eagles fan, because I think that, that, that really helps the handicap for myself. Uh, did you have uh, another one for us? Yeah, I do have one more, and I'm I'm just I'm, I'm all over the Browns uh, this week. Okay. So my last one will be Kareem Hunt over 15 and a half receiving yards. Now I know I said that <laughs> Baker Mayfield isn't going to be throwing a lot, but there there's just something about Kareem Hunt and what he does against the against his bad opponents really and. Sure. He's had a, I expected the Browns to obviously uh, put up points here, but the game script, I think we're, we might see Chubb not get a full workload. And in which case we're going to see a little bit more Kareem hunt in okay. nine games without Odell Beckham in the lineup hunt averages 22 receiving yards. He went over 15 and a half in, in 67% of his games dating back to last season, 10 out of 15 with an average of 25. He's done it in nine of his last 12 after a loss. If there's a way that they can move the ball up the field very easily without Odell Beckham, you know, I think we're going to see Kareem Hunt potentially be a little bit more involved. So last week, you know, without Odell, he had 28 yards. Last year against the Houston, the Houston Texans, he put up 28 yards on a few receptions. So it's not the sexiest of picks, but I think if we're going back to the consistency and opportunity, I think we may see more Kareem Hunt in this game than Nick Chubb. Now, yeah. granted, Nick Chubb can go off for a 60-yard run and still get his, right? Yeah. So um, I'm just expecting to see in this game script with them being such heavy favorites uh, to see a little bit more activity from Kareem Hunt. And wouldn't be surprised if he can get that in you know, one or two plays um, in the receiving game on like a screen pass yeah. or a wheel route. Yeah. The Kareem Hunt is the pass catching back out of the two guys between Chubb and him, right? And I think that 16, what is that? 15, 16 and a half is the number for Kareem Hunt? 15 and a half. Yeah, 15 and a half. I mean, I think he should be able, able to get that easily, man, against this Texans defense. I think they're really going to get exposed this week because last week against the Jags, we can't take too much against, you know, take too much away from it. But um, I, I think these two um, these two running backs for the Browns should have field day against this defense. 
uh, and asking Kareem Hunt, I think he can get that in one screen pass against this Texans defense. So I, I really like that play of, of both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt having big games uh, for the Browns this week against the Texans. Let's take one final break and we'll come back and wrap it up with best bets and final thoughts for NFL week two. We're brought to you by Price Picks. Turn your picks into real cash with Price Picks, my favorite daily fantasy app. It's fast and it's easy, and it all starts with Price Picks. Simply pick two to five players and decide if they will go over or under their stat projection. The more players you pick, the more you can win, up to 10 times your money. Price Picks is the only way I play. Make sure to check out the Thursday Night Football stat projections and use promo code SGP to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. That's prize picks, promo code SGP. Roster brought to you by Mint Mobile. After, fine, after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always some type of catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month, I thought, what's the catch? But after spe speaking with them and using their service, it all made sense. There really isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. By cutting out retail stores, there's no crazy overhead costs that get passed down to you in the form of some mystery fees. Instead, Mint just passes on sweet savings direct to you. For people looking for extra savings, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless service for just 15 bucks a month. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone number with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their 7-day money-back guarantee. Switch to Mint Mobile, Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, get the plan shipped to your door for free. Go to mintmobile.com slash sportsgp. That's mintmobile.com slash sportsgp. Cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash sportsgp. We're also brought to you by Odds Crowd. Are you the best football better in the U.S.? The folks at Odds Crowd are challenging you to prove it this football season with their epic free play fantasy betting contest. Each week of the season, there's a $350 NFL contest and a $250 contest. The boys here at SGPN are all taking part, so you can try to claim bragging rights over us too. Here's how it works. Once you enter a contest, you track your bets against real odds and lines, much like you would with any pick track act pick tracking app the most profitable players rise up the leaderboard if you have the highest profit at the end of the contest you win and odds crowd isn't just fantasy betting content it's a social app for so social app for sports bettors free to download you can also live group chat with other bettors you can track your bets set up private fantasy contests with your buddies and much more so download the app for free or go to oddscrowd.com today. And don't forget to download the SGPN app. The SGPN app is now live in the App Store and Google Play Store. The app gives you access to all of our picks and all of our podcasts, just like this one. Don't forget to toss up an app review and download the SGPN app today. All right, coming off of the break, then we 
did pretty good with our props last week. I'll say that, but our, our best bets went 0 and 2. So we need to bounce back this week. Um, and I'm, I'm confident that we will. Uh, so I'll let you kick it off. What is your very best bet of the props that we gave out uh, for NFL week two? My best prop of going Devin Singletary over eight and a half rush attempts. And uh, as a backup to that, Melvin Gordon over 50 and a, 49 and a half. Uh, so I, yeah, I got to correct myself there. I, I see at 50 and a half and 49 and a half, obviously take the value of 49 and a half. Yeah. Um, slightly better, slightly worse odds, but not by much. Yeah. So I, I think Melvin Gordon, I think you got to shop around for these numbers, man, because there, when I, when I was picking some of these, these props, I, I saw a difference of maybe a couple of attempts or even a couple of difference of, of one to two yards. And I think that can really matter at the end of the day. So um those are two from Dan. Hopefully we can uh, get uh, back on the winning track of best bets. Um, for my best bet, I am going to go with, I really like that Chubb one. I got to go Dak Prescott, man. I'm going to go over 39 and a half pass attempts. I think for all the reasons that we've mentioned that they have the offensive weapons, I think Kellen Moore trusts um Trust Dak Prescott. He looked great in week one against the Bucs. I think this is going to be a shootout. Uh, I think that front line of the Chargers with with Bosa and the guys that they have, I think they may be able to limit again Ezekiel Elliott. So I think this is going to have to be on the shoulders of Dak Prescott again. So I'm going to go over 39 and a half pass attempts as my best bet for NFL week two. So if he lets me down, the Cowgirls are absolutely uh, – getting kicked off the boat or, or putting on a boat and we're shipping them away. No more, no more, uh, no more cowgirls talk on this podcast. Uh, Dan, do you have any final thoughts for NFL week two? Anything else you wanted to mention? Maybe some players that we talked about to look out for um, anything to get off your chest. No, I'm good, man. I'm, I'm excited to see what, uh, what comes of week two. We have a little bit of data from week one, but obviously you know, the, the books are going to continue to get a little bit smarter. Yeah. Um, so we got to make sure that we're agile and recognizing where the opportunities and the value are. So excited to be doing it with you. And uh, yeah, man, let's uh, let's get this money. Yes, sir. So those are what, 10, 11 props that we gave out two to two best bets from Dan and then one for myself. So hopefully we'll have a winning week again. Um, and we'll be able to bounce back at least with our best bets, but, um, make sure, I think it's important that we mention shop around for some of these numbers, because there are some, you know, you may be able to find an advantage on, you know, one or two, maybe up to three yards on per book on wherever you're betting. So make sure to shop around. That brings us to the end of NFL week two prop cast, uh, looking forward to watching NFL on Sunday. And then we have a great Sunday night game. And then Monday night game also. Uh, Dan, let the people know where they can where they can find you. Anything that you're working on, and let the people know uh, anything about uh, what you're working on. Yeah, hit me up at at Dan Titus. You can find me doing random shit on Twitter, mostly uh, doing some podcasts on on Action Network, but as well as check out my Thursday night my Thursday night props uh, there. But then also you'll catch me every week with Munaf doing the prop cast and check the SGPN rankings. We do weekly rankings from the squad here. So keep us honest. You know what I'm saying? If you see a guy that's a little bit low or maybe needs to be a little bit higher um, on the, on the rankings list, 
hit us up. Let us know because um, we're a really valuable source for fantasy, betting, everything. So, yeah, man, hit me up. Let me know. Yeah, definitely check out our SGPN crew, the fantasy guys over there. I mean, they are absolutely crushing it, putting out so many rankings, content for fantasy football week in and week out. Uh, definitely check out the SGPN fantasy football podcast. I know those guys are are cranking it out, you know, a couple times a week. So uh, definitely check out all that uh, fantasy football contact and definitely check out the Slack channel. If you haven't already joined sg.pn slash Slack, we have so many different channels. We have a fantasy football uh, channel in there. All the guys are always talking about who to start, who to sit and things like that. And the NFL channels always pop in with player props and things like that. So that brings us to the end of it. I hope you guys have a profitable weekend. Uh, Dan and I will be back next week. Uh, hopefully you guys can cash in on our prop bets and all the props that you make this week and all the bets that you do have till then let's break them books off and let it ride.